When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. From the Cookout Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider. Brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. Go to visitmyrtlebeach.com to plan your vacation. We're back. Time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones and Adam here with you. Adam, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> this may be the most packed pod that we've ever had, even without a guest. Just you, we, there, is, there is so much to talk about on today's Carolina Insider. I'm fired up. And that's the end of the show. See you all next yeah, time. Thanks for being here. I'm trying to keep it like I want to make it as little time as possible. I don't want people to have to waste their time. That's all. Goodbye. Should let, Let's go ahead and start with the NCAA tournament draw. Okay. We'll start there. Carolina gets the number two seed in the West. They will start their uh, hopefully long journey through the NCAA tournament in Charlotte against Lipscomb. The winner of that game will face either Texas A&M or Providence. Nine ACC teams get in, uh, including Virginia as the number one number one overall seed, Duke at number two as well, along with the Tar Heels. Adam, what do you think? I think the bracket Carolina got checked off a lot of boxes of things you might have hoped for. For example, uh, no Michigan State or Arizona as like a – three-ish or right around you uh, a Friday start instead of Thursday start so you get that extra day to get everybody healthy starting in Charlotte that's a positive uh, I think if you had to choose between your if you're a two and your number one can be either Villanova or Xavier I realize Xavier is good but I think most people would probably say they would prefer Xavier so I think I think it it checked off about as many boxes as you could want it to, but I'm I'm gonna tell you something. I'm nervous about Providence. I told you I told I, I mentioned that to you on Sunday. Yeah, I'm still nervous about Providence. Their coach has got a hole in his pants. Well, that's a concern, but also I think they're good. Well, and Carolina's seen Providence a lot. I mean, yes. th- this I don't they, like that. They played in 14. They played in 16. Um, they've got a creepy mascot. They do have a creepy mascot. Uh. I don't like having when you play a team so many times in the tournament and you beat them every time. Right. I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that would be a potentially dangerous second-round game. Of course, Carolina's got to beat Lipscomb first, and the Tar Heels uh, would be playing in Charlotte. Not that that, like, guarantees success. Right. But I do think um, – also keep in mind, there's going to be Virginia fans there. So it's – I don't know if it will be as dominant a home crowd as it has been before. Right. Because I think the Virginia fans have long known where they were going – and I don't, it, I think it is very, at least it was very clear to me 
that perhaps the most important game of the season, because, I mean, you play the whole year, the whole thing you do the first 30 games for is to try to put yourself in the best position for this event. And it came down, at least it appears, to that game against Duke in the ACC tournament. Because I think if Carolina doesn't win that game, then probably they are where Duke is right now. And that's still a two seed, but at least on paper in a harder bracket and not playing close to home. So, as you and I have discussed before, the ACC tournament is not the most important tournament, unless you need it to get into the NCAAs. Then, of course, it is hugely important for your season. But I think it is pretty clear that Carolina winning that game against Duke on Friday night was the most important victory they've had all season because it gave them a better location in the NCAA tournament and get, and bumped them from in the true seed. Looked like Carolina was the five overall team in the bracket and Duke was six. And I think those flip if Carolina loses on Friday night to the Blue Devils. And I think, honestly, being in Charlotte means more to Carolina than Duke. Yes. I think Carolina will... No, I'm not so sure Duke doesn't mind getting out of North Carolina, right? I, I mean... I think Duke does not want to be there if it's going to be Duke and Carolina. Oh, yeah. Oh well, yes. No doubt. But I don't think... I mean, based on what we observed at the Barclays Center, right. the Virginia fans aren't going to cheer for Duke either. Right. They'll have a overall more friendly crowd in Pittsburgh... Maybe less quantity of Duke fans, but an overall friendlier crowd in Pittsburgh than they would in Charlotte, I, I think. I agree with that, 100%. And I, I think what you said is exactly right, and it's something people aren't really talking a lot about. Everybody's just kind of assuming, oh, there'll be 15,000 Carolina fans there. A lot of times when there's a site in Greensboro or Charlotte, people, Carolina fans, buy their tickets all year thinking Carolina's going there. Even last week at this time, Carolina fans didn't think Carolina was going there. That's right. So... It's going to be a scramble, I think. Um, and Virginia, I would assume, will have the, the vast majority. Now, that won't matter on Friday because it'll be two separate sessions. But Sunday, it will matter, and it'll be interesting to see what it's like if both those teams win their first game. Other bracket thoughts, Adam. I think, boy, I tell you, man, there there's some tough – there are some tough – I mean, Virginia potentially having to play either Kentucky or Arizona in the Sweet 16. Again, these are all potential things. We all know that. And side note, sign me up to watch Arizona-Kentucky in the second round. That's a big-time game. You don't think Davidson's going to beat Kentucky? They they can. They got a chance. They they can yes. win that game. Because, we. I mean, we've seen Davidson in person many times. They play smart. They're mm -hmm. good shooters. They're not going to be intimidated by Kentucky because they play. I mean, they play Carolina a lot. They play good teams during the regular season. Um, so, no, they will not be intimidated by Kentucky, and they will be more sound, I think, than Kentucky. But Kentucky has more talent than Davidson does, too. So that, that will be an interesting game. Arizona looked, and I didn't see a ton of it, but they looked unstoppable. Of course, Marvin Bagley looked unstoppable against Notre Dame, and then while he was great against Carolina, not as unstoppable. DeAndre Ayton looked like he was <laughs> like a senior in high school playing against elementary school kids against USC in the Pac-12 championship game. So that I, I think that'll be a, a – I'm interested to see if Virginia matches up with one of those two teams because that's, that's a tough game for them, I think, in the Sweet 16. Um, I think Duke's bracket – is, at least on paper, pretty challenging. I mean, you have Michigan State, although we know Michigan State, they, they have a good team in Bucknell, which the Tar Heels saw first weekend, or the first game or two of the regular season. Uh, you have uh, Rhode Island, who I think is a strong team as the seven seed in that region for Duke. Kansas, of course, the number one. Uh, NC State's in that region. Clemson's in that region. I mean, you have three ACC teams in that bracket. Um, I think the East is the easiest bracket for Villanova. Um, I just, I'm not sold on Purdue. Maybe I should be there. They've had a terrific year. Uh, but the three seed is Texas tech. The four seed is Wichita state. So, uh, I think that's the easiest bracket and these are the best few days of the year for, I mean, 
to we're recording this on Monday today when you're kind of looking at all these matchups and then the next couple days where you think about it break it all down you get these first four games now mixed in as well and then Thursday and Friday are the two best sporting days of the year in my opinion love this week I'm jazzed for it I uh I'm in on Arizona I think they're they're one of those teams that lost some games at the beginning and so everybody decided oh they're not good well remember quit paying attention They've lost four games since they lost right. all three in that in that Bahamas tournament, which right. is weird. I mean, we, Carolina's been there before. That's a weird tournament. Good tournament, but it's a weird one. Yes. We'll get to go back again this fall, Jens. Get all excited. Right. Um, oh, no. Not this fall. This fall is Las Vegas. My B. My B. My B. Um, <laughs> so, I'm in on Arizona. Um, I think they're good, and I also think this is when Arizona is their best, when they're not a number one seed that everybody's talking about. Well, and if there is, of all the teams that have been associated with all the stuff so far, yes, only NC State and Arizona have made the tournament, at least to my knowledge, unless I'm forgetting somebody. And Arizona, it seems like, is a little angry right now. Yeah. And I just think that's... Now, I am a firm believer, and this is going to sound dumb, but I'm a firm believer that you can't do it in the tournament until you do it, if that makes sense. And Sean Miller's never done it as far as getting to the Final Four. But there's a lot of teams who are your higher-seeded teams that have never done it before. Virginia's never done I mean, and I'm talking in recent terms. I know Virginia went to the Final Four in the early 80s, but you understand my point. Virginia, Purdue, Texas Tech. I mean, these are all top three, four seeds um, that haven't done it before. And so I still think you got to do it before – before you get that inherent advantage that I do think teams like Carolina have and Villanova has and Duke has because they've done it before. They have coaches that have done it before. They have players that have done it before. And I do think that makes a difference. I was surprised at Sunday night. I had on the the bracketology show, like the ESPN bracketology show while I was doing some other stuff. Every single person that I saw picked Gonzaga and Michigan in Carolina's regional final. That that surprises me a little bit. I feel like I haven't heard as much about Gonzaga this year as I did last year. Right. I'm sure they're good. Yeah. They always are. And certainly we saw Michigan, and they've gotten a lot better. Um, Cam Johnson didn't play in that game. Um, but on the one hand, that surprised me. And on the other hand, eh, I kind of like that. Um, I wouldn't mind uh, Coach Williams being able to tell everybody, hey, or everybody on the team, um, nobody thinks you can do it. You're the defending national champion and nobody's respecting you. I like that card, much like I like Arizona's card of everybody trying to keep us down. They're lying about us. It's us against the world. If you can say it's us against the world and you've got awesome players on your team like they do, then you got a shot. Um, I was really surprised Syracuse made it. Oh, yes. That's what I was waiting. I was, that was going to be my next point. If – and the bracket chair said Syracuse was the last team in and Notre Dame was the first team out. So Notre Dame got bumped by Davidson winning the A-10 tournament, which, I mean, that happens. It stinks, but that happens this time of year. I have Syracuse's schedule pulled up in front of me. And I am searching for their – they beat Maryland. Maryland didn't even make the NIT. They beat Maryland. So Maryland is really doing a lot better now that they've left the ACC. Right, yeah. Just like John Feinstein said. Big loss. Yeah. They played Kansas, lost by 16. They beat UConn, who sounds really good, but just fired their coach because they haven't been good in forever. They beat Georgetown, who, again, sounds impressive, but is a team that I do think is better, but is not the Georgetown of 1985. If Patrick Ewing had been playing instead of coaching, that would have been a big win. They lost to St. Bonaventure, an NCAA tournament team, in overtime. And Adam, you go through their conference? They beat Virginia Tech in, on December 31st. Now, I know the date shouldn't matter, but they beat Virginia Tech. I'm looking. I'm going to just go through the conference wins for you. Beat Virginia Tech. One against Pitt. One against BC. One against Pitt again. One at Louisville, one against Wake, one at Miami, by far their best victory, one against Clemson at home. I just named every single ACC win for you for them, Adam. 
They finished behind Notre Dame in the standings. Notre Dame beat Syracuse head-to-head. It that, that one, more so Syracuse in to me than Notre Dame out. Although I would have been completely fine with Notre Dame. Not, not that they called me. But my opinion would have been, oh yeah, okay. I can see Notre Dame getting in. I can see them playing in the first four. I understand all that, but I think that all makes sense for the story of their season. And I'm not trying to rag on Syracuse. It makes no sense to me why they're in this in this field. None. If Notre Dame and Syracuse played right now in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. And we've who seen do, who do you think would win? Yeah. I mean, we've seen Syracuse twice here in the last couple of weeks. And they have some really talented individual players, three of them. And but all they do is give it to those guys and say, okay, one of you three has the shot clock's down to eight. One of y'all three go score. I, I don't know, dude. I just, that one really surprised me that they got in. And I'll give credit to Jerry Palm. He was the only one who kept saying that Syracuse is in, Syracuse is in. Everybody else said they were out. He kept having them in. That, that one blows me away. That's the only one. I mean, Oklahoma. I don't know if you saw Charles Barkley. <laughs> Charles Barkley was interviewing the tournament head. Mm. And I guess the tournament chair had, when initially asked about Oklahoma, said, well, yeah, they really lost some seating here in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and Charles Barkley goes, were they the number one overall? <laughs> <laughs> Big, I mean, so, but remember, they were on that little mid, when they showed the early top mm. 16 seeds, they were in there. They were the last one, I think, but they were in there. So they tumbled down to a 10 with all these losses. But it just shows you how much heavy weight was placed on the full body work early season games, which is fine as part of your season. I get that. Uh, Arizona State, same thing. Had I mean, they, they rode those wins over Kansas and Xavier. And I get it. I mean, those are two number one seeds, and they won those games. Sure, they were early in the year. I get that. Uh so the, I think those three seem to be the ones, Arizona State, Oklahoma, Syracuse. And I can buy the Oklahoma and Arizona State explanation. The Syracuse one I find hard. I just, I just don't see where they get it. I think, I think if we were in the Midwest, we would be as confused about Oklahoma getting in over Oklahoma State as we are about Syracuse yeah, that's getting probably in right. over Notre Dame. Yeah, I think both those – I don't understand what the conversation was that led to that conclusion. And and the, and because we know more about Syracuse, let's go back to them. How many chances did they have to get a big win that would have put them clearly in? Played Carolina twice. In, played, the, in the last couple of weeks. Played Duke in the last couple of weeks. In that stretch, they got blown out by Boston College, who, again, BC NIT team, clearly a team that is better than it has been in the past. But still, you got blown out by, by BC. Uh, that win at Miami must have been the one that that did it for him because that's the only one that's worth a pahooey, Adam, <laughs> down the stretch for them. Yeah, I I don't get it, uh, but uh, but does anyone really think no. they're going anywhere? No, no. no. they who, they might win the first game. Who do they even play? They play Arizona State in the first four, so we'll see. Any other thoughts on the bracket itself or NCAA tournament? before we get to taking a step back to ACC tournament. I think you're right that it's the most fun time of the year. It's everybody's an expert. Everybody's got that one team they like that is once you say you like them like Arizona, they're probably going to lose in the first round. That's what happens. And you, UNCG just a, yeah. Gonzaga this so they've got Gonzaga in the first game. Uh Davidson who we mentioned of course playing Kentucky in the first game. State of North Carolina extraordinarily well represented North Carolina Central uh won the MEAC and is going to play against Texas Southern in the first four with the winner uh then playing Xavier uh in the first round. So um state very well they the state very well represented. Um North Carolina State playing Seton Hall. I think that'll be I mean, everybody's already talking about them against Kansas. I think Seton Hall is pretty good. They're tough and they're rough, and that'll be an interesting game. We saw them, was it last year, yeah, they when played, they lost? Yeah, they played Arkansas. And Carolina would have had to play them if they won. And I remember thinking, ooh, they're, they look kind of mean and like they would fight you, yeah. which is what you don't want in the NCAA tournament. You want somebody who will give in. Sure. Um, so, yeah. And I also think, I think we should mention one of the biggest feathers in Carolina's cap was their schedule. And their quadrant one wins, 
So I think you got to credit Roy Williams for figuring out the right way to put together the schedule, and then Clint Gwaltney makes it happen. And I think those two things were key because they they figured out what would look good and also what would not look good. One thing is not losing to Wofford, but eh. um, And they were able to put those games on paper that really ended up being one of Carolina's biggest cards because everybody's complaining about the overall record, the, the naysayers. Sure. But the positive sayers are saying, well, look at these metrics. Well, Carolina didn't just stumble into those metrics. They they had to go out and schedule many of them. They had to go to Tennessee. They had to go to Stanford, which everybody sort of overlooks. I mean, they chose to do that. They're adding Gonzaga to the schedule. It it's Those metrics are always going to be strong, I think. 2-0 against Syracuse. Who ended up helping? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I told you Syracuse should have been in there, Adam. Yeah, Two right. great wins by the Tar Heels. <laughs> Two and one against Duke. Have tournament wins against or wins against tournament teams. Davidson at Tennessee. Or I was at Davidson at Tennessee. Ohio State on a neutral floor. Michigan, Arkansas on a neutral floor. Bucknell at home. Split with tournament teams: Miami, NC State, and Clemson. And then lost at Florida State, a tournament team, at Virginia Tech, a tournament team, lost to Michigan State on a neutral floor, and lost twice to Virginia, and we'll get to them in just a second, one on a neutral floor and one on the road. I mean, other than the one game against Wofford, right? other than that one game, Carolina has a fabulous resume for the NCAA tournament. Lots of hard games, lots of wins, wins on the road, Quality losses, and I know that's a crazy term, but the losses that don't kill you, minus the one, a terrific resume for them other than that one game. Yep. Okay. Selection show wasn't very good. We'll get to that, Adam. Okay, okay, sorry. And you'll have five extra seconds to talk about it, too. Okay, good. Um, let's talk about the ACC tournament. Carolina goes, victories, kind of a recycle of the end of the year. Their last three games of the regular season were Syracuse-Miami-Duke. Their first three games of this event were Syracuse-Miami-Duke, and then the game against Virginia. Um, I thought Carolina's defense was one of the big stories of the event. I thought in their three wins, and even in the loss, their defense wasn't awful against Virginia. I thought the Cavaliers made some really tough shots and some big-time shots. Um, I thought Carolina's defense was really good. Theo Pinson clearly with the enormous game against Miami. Uh, I thought Kenny Williams was really – I was shocked Kenny Williams didn't make at least second team all tournament because I thought he was really good in the event. Uh, Joe Barry and Luke May started, I thought, to kind of find their groove again in the event later on um, after a couple rough games early uh, in, in the sequence. Adam, I know Carolina didn't win the championship of the tournament. I think it is a net positive, though, leaving New York. Well, period. But I think for the Tar Heels, I think it's a net positive, their participation in this event. I think they gain some things. Clearly, it doesn't do one thing for you now as far as your quality of play. But I do think that they gain some things in that tournament, both as we've talked about as far as their placement in the NCAAs and I think their play on the court. You saw some positive things there as well. Yeah, I think you said it earlier that the goal is to put yourself in the best position for the NCAA tournament. And what Carolina did in Brooklyn achieved that. And I don't even really know if winning one more game would have achieved much more than that. They they got what they needed on Friday night against Duke. They They got the biggest possible chip they could get by winning that game. And you could sort of see it on the court. It, sitting where we were sitting, it was fairly obvious – Carolina was not going to let any loose ball go untouched or undove for on Friday. On Saturday, they wanted to win, but they didn't have to win. And you could you could just see it. And well, I do think four games in four days ended up playing raw. I thought Pinson in particular looked a little – I mean, he was 1 of 10 from the floor. I mean, that's unusual for him to, to shoot that poorly. Cameron Johnson clearly was beat up and tired, I think, um, in that game as well. Uh, against Virginia, and I know you're not saying this, the Tar Heels played hard. They wanted right. to win the game. It wasn't like they were out there going through the motions, but I do think you could see a little bit of the, this is the fourth game in four days. They played late. I mean, it was, you know this, because you lived it just like I did. I mean, it's just like your whole body clock gets thrown out of whack. It was a grueling, late, it was a tough stretch, 
And you're right. I mean, the, the tank was emptied on Friday night, as it should have been. And then they just it, it didn't get filled all the way back to the top for Saturday. And that's okay. Virginia's really good. I, I think playing them fourth game four days, what you had gone through the night before, it would have taken Virginia helping you a little bit, I think, to win the game. And they didn't help them. They went 9-17 from three, didn't miss a free throw until the game was essentially decided late. Uh, and played at a decently high level. So uh, there is not – you'd have loved to have won the tournament title. Do not get me wrong. You get there just like we talked about. It's not the most important thing in the world, but you're playing to win, and if you get there, you want to win. There is not one thing in my mind to be disappointed about leaving that event other than you just didn't win that last game. I think you're exactly right. That if you're going to have to play four games, the fourth game being against Virginia is much different than the fourth game being against Notre Dame or Florida State or someone like that Virginia is going to make everything difficult and they were coming off a game over Clemson over which they tried about half right and so if you're going to have to play a fourth game fresh Virginia is not what you want to see um I think what you said about Kenny Williams is exactly right like I think we talked about this last year but you have to fill out the all ACC ballot before the game's even played basically right um, and so we wrote in a few that we knew would be on there, like Kyle Guy, we knew would be on there. So we put him on there. Um, Theo, we knew he'd be able to put him on there. And Kenny Williams was one of the ones that we went ahead and put on there. Yeah, we were like, oh, for sure he'll make one of these two teams. And he didn't make either. Yeah, I was surprised by that. And I understand he doesn't score 25 a game, which evidently is the criteria since Kai Bowman made it. But he was in double figures all four games for Carolina. He played – I mean, I thought he was the – he and Pinson were the biggest players in the game in the win over Syracuse. His defense against Battle. Um, I, I just thought he was – his defense, his defense against Miami was terrific. His defense against Duke was terrific. I, and I thought he did a decent job on Kyle Guy. Just Guy hit some tough shots. I, I just – I was surprised by that. I thought he was great the whole week. I think he is – he's my pick to click for a big senior year. I mean, some of the plays he made, if you just think about the individual plays he made in Brooklyn, that one follow shot where he just sort of came out of, nowhere. Out of the sky yeah. and then banked it in and just like kept falling out of bounds. Yeah. And then he made one uh, right in front of us where he sort of caught it in the middle of the lane and like sort of angled his body around the defender. Really impressive body shot control, it. yeah. I mean, he, he's got a chance to be really, really good. And I understand he's a junior and he is good now. But with a, with a summer, like a, a Luke May type summer, he could be all AC. We wouldn't be talking about all ACC tournament with him. We'd be talking about all ACC. He's got a he's got a shot. Let's do our quick uh, UNC Healthcare Know Your Stats feature brought to you by UNC Healthcare. My UNC Chart. Keep track of your stats with my UNC Chart. Visit myuncchart.org uh, to sign up. Adam, I really did think Carolina's defense was good in the event. The four opponents: Syracuse shot thirty one point seven, Miami shot thirty seven point one, Duke shot forty point seven, Virginia shot forty two percent. I thought. All pretty good numbers. You'd have loved, uh, again, for Virginia to miss a couple, but I thought pretty good numbers there for the Heels. I think it's so interesting how the last couple of years, and hopefully this year also, Carolina's continued to get better in the postseason. Because last year the defense wasn't great, and then all of a sudden ACC tournament, NCAA tournament, it, it kicks up a notch. It looks like it might be happening again this year. Um, had a chance to talk to Joel Berry about that a little bit after the tournament, and he said he felt like it was sort of a, a leadership thing and a fact that everybody realized some of these possessions that they've sort of taken off during the regular season because you can't play that hard all the time. You just can't. That they realize they have to do that now, and he feels like there's enough guys on this team that set the tone that you have to do it that going forward that is what you will see. Someone may well beat Carolina, but I don't think they'll do it because Carolina just stands up and gives up. Um, so I think that's a, that's an encouraging thing, both from a playing standpoint and a coaching standpoint that doesn't just happen. Um, Adam, anything else ACC tournament wise? No, it's kind of, it's a blur. Yeah, it really is. The, the late games stuff all in a row. It's tough. I know people are, oh, they're 20 years old. When I was 20, I stayed up till then. Well, yeah, but you weren't playing basketball against Virginia and then going to the cold tub for another hour. Regularly, Carolina got back to the hotel after 1 in the morning. Easily. And, like, it it got to the point where it would be like 1.30 or 2, and you'd be like, oh, that's probably dinner time. It's 1.30 or 2. That's right. 
Uh, is it is it five p.m.? I should probably get some lunch. Yeah, it was it was an it was a grind, and, and that's from just someone who didn't play a single minute. Right. Of it. I mean, and I'm guessing some fans are like, yeah, it was a grind. I mean, I've talked to a couple of people who just watched the games like on Sunday, and they were just like, oh, God, I'm so tired just from cheering on the Tar Heels, and um, it was it was a grind. When Theo Pinson said Sunday, he said, I would be lying if I told you right now that I'm not tired. Heck yeah. And I mean, and then Carolina proceeded to return home at four in the morning. Yeah. Essentially. Lose, yeah. You bumped, you bumped the hour up too. I mean, you lost the hour with the, the time change. It was, it was tough. You were there with the Tariels when the, the NCAA tournament brackets were announced. Anything that uh, we're sharing from there? There's some funny dudes. Uh, they, uh, Joel Barry had the remote. I think I think somebody tweeted this out, uh, the Carolina basketball account, and so you sit through all the stuff and like that movie Get Hard came on before, right? With uh, with Will Ferrell, and um, so they're sitting there watching that, and as you would expect, they loved it, right? So they were already in this mood, like they had just gone to see the greatest comedy in the world. <laughs> so everybody was like, there was just so much talking. So they've sat through all that. They've sat through that alphabetical uh, reveal. Don't, don't, don't get there yet, Adam. And so then we're, it's time for the brackets. They're like, all right, our corporate champion, whatever. We're going to the South region or whatever it was. Here's the first bracket. And you could almost feel the room go. <gasps> and then, like, somehow Joe Barry hit rewind on the remote by accident. <laughs> <laughs> and Theo was like, Joe Barry! <laughs> At that moment, he did not like Joe Barry Barry. And so Joe but, – Joe Barry's a senior. Yeah. He got under control. He's like, hold on, guys. He got it back to the live feed. Everything was fine. But that, that to me, was so funny. But it, it's funny watching with them because, you know, they all know somebody who's on a team. Right. And Walker Miller's brother is the coach at UNCG. And everybody's got a, a former teammate who's playing. So they get excited about weird things. Andrew Playtech's all jacked up for Buffalo. He's like, I'm going to tell you, they're pretty good. <laughs> Like, I mean, no one knows anything about Buffalo except right. for Andrew Playtech, sure, yeah. who's got the two deep written on his hand. Yeah, he's got it scouted. And so it's funny to see what they get excited about and not excited about, but they very clearly knew. Like, And this time of year, they always say, like, oh, we don't pay attention to things like the brackets. Yes, they do. They, they know. They may not be breaking it down seed by seed, but they know what's possible for them, and they know what's good for them. And the reaction is such. Something I thought was interesting this year, Coach Williams seemed much more into the stats side than he has in the past. You know, he usually says, like, oh, we just go where we go. I don't know where the sites are, whatever. By the time the first commercial break had happened after the whole field had been revealed, he said, well, guys, we played 22 games against the field, and we went 13-9 and or whatever it was. I mean, and he he had a little sheet with the Quadrant 1 games, and they said uh, – the it might have been Greg Gumble said something about well Florida State's got six quadrant one wins and Coach Williams goes six we got fourteen is six supposed to be good yeah I mean he knows that stuff and I think sometimes people think he's oblivious to it but especially this year he is not and I you know I mean he he thought he might be a math teacher so that kind of stuff appeals to him sure um and it it was interesting I always like how. Uh, Mrs. Williams is like the designated bracker filler outer. Like she's got the blank bracket and she's right. already had to cook for all these people. But her most important job is filling out the bracket. And he'll turn to her and be like, all right, so what do we got over there in the South? <laughs> and she's like, well, in the 7 versus 10 game, let's go out to Boise. Yeah, could be a barn burner in that 5-12. Watch out. <laughs> you know how those 4-13 games often go. So, um, but yeah, it was fun. Adam, do you have a list, or should we just get to how can you justify that? I do have a quick list, yes. What's on the top of Adam's list? Brought to you by Top of the Hill, where Tar Heels come to celebrate. As we've since learned, people just love to fast forward through our intros anyway, Adam, but I hope people enjoyed uh enjoyed your list intro there that's one of the things on my list i feel like i must not have a busy enough life because it's never occurred to me to skip the intros yeah like all right. by the time i look down and figure out how to fast forward the intro's over right yeah i mean we could do like 90 second reads of commercials during this we just choose not to do it that way right so so i, w- I was just i guess that had never occurred to me yeah 
These millennials with their fast-forwarding, yeah. they got no patience. Um, I feel like we should mention that Tar Heel Bird has come home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I meant to bring Tar Heel Bird to Pod World Headquarters today, but I'll bring him next time. Uh, he watched the whole ACC tournament. Uh, he was able to sit out some on Thursday, but then he had to go back to his cage sure. for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, we've taken good care of him. And uh, he'll, of course, go to the Pod Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's going to he, he'll go up with uh, the Aguoma Iguanos and yeah. everybody else. He'll go into the Pod Rafters. Yeah, the Grape Nuts. <laughs> All the greats. Um, we got a Mr. lot. Mr. Duck Honkers. <laughs> we got a lot of tweets with people concerned about me being in the same building with the Blue Jay. Adam, it's going to be on if you and that Blue Jay run into each other in the back hallway. I'm secretly hoping it happens. Well, see, now here's the thing. So if you don't know, the Cre- Creighton is the eight seed or nine. I think they're the eight uh, matched up with Virginia. And so they will be in Charlotte. Right. And if you're a Tariel fan, you know why we don't like Creighton. And Adam, in particular, has a little dicey history with the Creighton Blue Jay mascot. Yeah. So it could get uh, could get a little could get a little hot up in there. Well, and there's a couple things that have to happen, I think, for that potential matchup to occur because Creighton and Carolina will be in separate sessions Friday. So I'm probably not going to see the Blue Jay on Friday. But if Creighton wins and the Tar Heels win, probably going to happen on Sunday. Yep. And I don't know what his name is, but let's say it's Bobby, Bobby Blue Jay. Yeah, that makes sense. Bobby Blue Jay and I may come Feathered beak to eyeball, <laughs> and, and I don't know how that's going to go. I am a little concerned about it, but it could be full circle, because if you'll remember, the original Blue Jay incident, I think, happened in San Antonio. Yep. And where's the final four this year? Yep. San Antonio. So it's the circle of life, just like Elton John sang to us. Yep. And... So, I, I'm not my, I'm not concerned about it yet, but I'll get back to you over the weekend. Yeah, sure. Um, I feel like I feel like we need to discuss the conversation that we were privy to on the four train on Saturday. Well, here's here's one of many things that I don't particularly love about the ACC tournament being in New York. And again, let me preface this by saying this. The Barclays Center itself, I really like. Mm-hmm. I think they do a terrific job hosting the event. What up, Matt Horton? It's easy to get around. Yeah. They have terrific food. I mean, it's just, I, I thought that part of it, they do a really good job. And this has nothing to do with the people of New York or Tariel fans in New York, because there's a lot of them. And there was a great Tariel contingent at the ACC tournament. It's just... It's just a, a different feel up there for the event. Um, and you have to ride, at least, well, you don't have to. We chose to ride the subway to get to the games, which, if you live up there, it's just a fact of your life, and it's totally normal for you. It is not totally normal for us, but it wasn't hard to do. But it's just out of the ordinary for our daily life. So having said all of that, you meet all kinds of kooky characters, Adam. <laughs> And New York itself, and that that just, there's more people there, so the ratio of kooky characters is higher. You and I, along with uh, Eric Montross and Bubba Cunningham, the athletic director here at Carolina, as you know, rode the subway together to the championship game against Virginia. We entered the doors. Eric and Bubba, wisely as it turns out, turned right, found some seats. You and I turned left, and uh, I don't mind standing, grabbing the rail. Eric won't touch anything in New York. He's like deathly afraid of all of it. And, and like he may as well be wearing one of those hats where you can put <laughs> cans in with hand sanitizer and he just has it right to him. <laughs> but anyway, so we're standing there and there's this guy at him with his female companion. I couldn't tell if they were friends, boyfriend, girlfriend. I, I don't know what they were. There are some people, Adam, who are really loud. And there are some, and I'm loud. I get that. And there's some people who are really obnoxious. I hope I'm not obnoxious. And I'm obnoxious. I get that. (laughs) (laughs) This gentleman, Adam, was both. He put those two hands together as one. And to me, he was one of the worst kind of obnoxious. He is the... 
well, really kind of guy or the let me tell you about kind of guy. So we get on. First thing he starts talking about is how many bags I have. And I had two bags. I had my work bag and I had my printer bag, which I don't travel with a printer very often. (laughs) But for these events, I have to because I do have a lot of stuff I have to print out. And so, and I didn't want to put it on my bag that was going to go underneath the plane because I didn't really want to put electronic equipment underneath the plane, blah, 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 blah. So I did have a lot of bag. And he immediately was like, oh, look at that. A lot of bags there. Okay. Then let's see if we can go through the topics discussed. One, how Michigan was going to beat Carolina in the NCAA tournament. To be determined. They are now the two and the three together. But this, he, this was... He didn't know this at the time. He just elected to tell us that. Well, and he he sort of backed into it by going, hey, go Heels. I got some family in Charlotte. Yeah. Michigan's going to beat you guys, though. Yeah. And then he just rolled into, well, you know, Duke's down there, too. Oh, really? (laughs) Their coach. Their coach. Got a crazy. He's one of the best coaches. His name, though, it's really hard to spell. It doesn't even make sense how you're going to spell his name. It's like KX something. It's the most random uh, put together of letters that there is possible, but it's pronounced Krzyzewski. You know that? Krzyzewski? And at this point, dude, my eyes had glazed over except for to stare at you in an angry way. And honestly, all I could think about was, please get this person out of my life. I don't want to hear this guy anymore. Then that rolled into somehow talking about golfers getting the yips. Then he he started talking about how Tiger Woods wasn't good at golf anymore. Although Tiger, hey, nice weekend for for Tiger. Um, And he was talking about it at the exact time that Tiger Woods was doing better than any time in the last two or three years. Everything he said was wrong. And then he started, and Adam, I don't know if you know this or not. Profanity... (laughs) Like their profanity can fly every now and then around us. I'm not going to say who the source of that profanity <laughs> is, but it can fly. But then he starts dropping some inappropriate words like seconds after a young girl. I mean, I'm what? Seven yeah. got onto the train to sit right next to him. And then not he, like in the car, but directly in next, the to seat him. next to him. Yeah. And it was like the timing of everything he did was loud and wrong. Yeah. <laughs> And then he started talking about Donald Trump. And it was just like, dude, I don't want any of this. I, I don't want anything you're talking about. Well, stop, stop talking loud to no one in particular. It wasn't necessarily directed towards us. I guess he was having a conversation with his female friend who, if he had not been there, would have been the, the subject of us complaining right now. But she paled in comparison so much to this dude that it didn't <laughs> even matter. It was incredible. He had some totally random story about some musician who had written a song about Donald Trump's father. Uh, it didn't make any sense. Nothing made sense. And based on what he said about the other things, I'm guessing that that wasn't a true story. <laughs> or like it was like 5% true. Right. Yeah. But he right. had added his 95% of expertise. My guess is he's the guy who like, like if you said, like, let, let I'm just kidding. This is all totally made up. Let's say that you would have come back from the golf course and you're like, whoa, I just shot two under par. It was the, oh, really? I shot five under par the other day. And it's like, yeah. uh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, I just met such and such. Oh, really? I hung out with him one time. And it's like, his story is always better than your story. Yes. No matter what. And at a much higher volume. Much vo- higher volume. But the whole problem was that we couldn't take the 2-3, right. which was our go-to train, yeah. because it didn't run on Saturday. Yeah. So we had to take the 4, which is how we ended up with that guy. Yeah. And hopefully we never see him again. Pod's brought to you by VisitMyrtleBeach.com. It's the website that'll help make the most of your stay on the coast so you can have the best vacation ever, no matter what you want to do. We hope it's everything you dreamed of and so much more. Adam, we do have a couple things to talk about. We do have a how can you justify that. Let's get to that first, shall we? Sure. How can you justify what you've done? How can you possibly justify that? All right, now you have five extra seconds to talk about this, Adam, which is terrific. Adam, the NCAA tournament selection show in my youth was the greatest 
hour of TV there is. Maybe 30 minutes and then eventually an hour. Mm-hmm. Everything that they did with the show this year was wrong. Everything. First of all, the audio sync was so off. And I know technical problems happen. But you know how normally when the audio syncs off, you, it was so off, I couldn't even tell how it was off. Was it early? Was it late? Was it... I, I couldn't tell. It was so It was so wrong that my mind couldn't even wrap around what was happening. It's like people who try to turn down the sound to listen to us and when the games are on CBS and we're like two possessions ahead of what is happening. It's like it's so out of sync. Like it was making my mind hurt. It was so out of sync. Then this sham of a live audience. It was so awkward. You could tell they were in this enormous room that they filled with about 50 people to try to act like they were this rabid live audience, which I'm going to guess most of those people were actors. And it was terrible. Adam, it was terrible. And Greg Gumbel was clearly shook by the fact that they're like, he couldn't handle everything that was happening. At least Ernie Johnson seemed to be aware that it stunk. And he was like, oh, these folks can read that applause side behind me. Like, he started throwing some jabs about how terrible it all was. And when he went to get the pizza and he, he was talking about how terrible, oh, this is great pizza. I mean, like, you could tell that he thought it was lame, too. At least in my mind, that makes me like Ernie Johnson more. Meanwhile, poor Greg Gumble, And then, so like they put, so then they're doing the dumb thing where they announce the teams alphabetically, which we'll get to in a second. Greg Gumble couldn't keep up with it. It was like, okay, here comes, and I don't know, like, I'm not, this example may not be one that actually happened. In fact, I know it didn't, but I'll go there. So let's say they put up Kansas and Greg Gumbel then, like, he'd be like, all right, I've got my card here about Kansas. And uh, this is the 14th consecutive tournament trip for Kansas. Uh, Bill Self is the head coach of the J. And then by the time he's like halfway through it, Kansas State's already up there. And so then, like, he finishes the card and looks up and sees that Kansas State's up there. And then he's like, oh, well, um, uh, and then he's, like, going for his next card. He's like, uh, Bill, Bruce Weber is the, and then by the time, there's Kentucky. And he, well, uh, uh, John Calipari is always a handful this time of year. And it's like, he couldn't keep up with it. <laughs> and it was also stupid. And it was so clear that he was so flustered trying to keep up with the screen, and he couldn't. Because, Adam, sometimes when you have the card, all you can do is read what's on the card. Yeah. Dick Grubar knows this. <laughs> Dick Grubar's not on there. He's not on there. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. So he's trying his best to keep up, and it's just awkward. And then he's trying to throw in jokes about packs of wolves because Nevada and State were close to each other or something, and it was all just wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. He just didn't have the athleticism, Adam. <laughs> So <laughs> we get so then there's the whole concept of putting these teams up beforehand, which let's be honest, everyone knew is a terrible idea when they said they were going to do it. I could have at least accepted it if they would have taken the time. Like what I didn't even realize that Louisville didn't get in because they skipped over it until they were in like the T's, and I was like, wait a second, Louisville, and. <laughs> If they're going to do it that way, then at least go, uh, that means that uh, Louisville, you know, a team that was on the bubble, it, you know, doesn't get in this year. We'll talk to tournament chair Adam Lucas about this coming up in just a little bit. At least give me some kind of idea that something important just happened. At least do that. And why did they start with the stupid automatic bids? I'm sitting there watching with my six-year-old, and he's like, Daddy, I don't know any of these teams. Are they the only ones in the tournament? And I'm like, no, buddy. These are the ones who won, like, all the small – he, he would know, like, one team on each screen because it would be like Virginia would be up there with all these small tournament where he didn't know who any of them were. He was so confused. Like, wait, did the Tarnals not make it? I'm like, no, dude, they made it. <laughs> Everything about it was wrong. Also, they weren't very good at the alphabet. If you're going to do it alphabetically, try to follow the actual alphabet and not make up your own version. Just... It, it wasn't good, and I don't... What what was the value of doing it that way? Yeah, they someone thought that was a good idea, and there was a meeting where they all sat around and they eventually came to the conclusion. That I'm just gonna tell you, I like have a little head rush right now. I got so angry. Right <laughs> I will say the one redeeming factor of the live studio audience was the kid who had the sign about Lehigh Mercer and the Tar Heels. Yeah, that was solid. Yeah, that was a that was a real fan there. Yeah. Seemed like they had actually some Tar Heel fans there. Got a little pop. 
Well, well, I enjoy where it's like one of them, and I felt bad. I don't even remember which one it was. I, I think maybe he was like, "Hey, we got any Villanova fans out there?" And it was dead silent. <laughs> it was like chirp, chirp, chirp. <laughs> oh, guess not. All right. Well, the cats are good this year. <laughs> well, and also, if if I'm not mistaken, and again, like I was trying to deal with Joel Berry's haphazard remote control usage. I think he he told us a couple of seeds before he should have. Like he said, like Xavier's got that number one seed. Well, we didn't know that at that point in time. Only he knew that because he had the bracket. And it was like he he wanted to tell us the important information, but it wasn't time, and he didn't tell us all of it. If you could if you could change, if they said we're going to do this exact selection show next year, but you can change one thing, what would you change? Cutting out the the alphabetical at large things. Cut it. I, I have it in the awkward, stupid uh, studio audience thing. That's all fine because to me, like one of the best parts of doing the brackets is you get down to that like last eleven seed, right? And there's like eight teams that are like, oh god, please make this. Right. But I mean, do you think Louisville? I mean, I'm guessing Louisville turned it off when it went from Lipscomb to Murray State or whoever that it went in between to skip them alphabetically. Well, part of the whole thing is like you go to break with your shot of here. We got a camera with Louisville and they're right. Oh, they're after, anxious. There's only one bracket left. Right. Let's go to them. I mean, you can't do that if you're like, we're midway through the L's and here's yeah. a shot of Louisville. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like the it's like somebody picking up the trash that people have. When they, <laughs> I mean, Adam, it was just so wrong. And look. I understand you're trying it. You're trying something new out. I do understand you're trying to say, "Hey, how can we try to make this better?" You know, this is one of those things. You, you've got it. You've got all that. The only thing, the only thing people want, is to see the Mama Jamma brackets, Adam. <laughs> That's it. That's all they want is to see the brackets. They don't want to see. The teams in alphabetical order, they want to see the brackets and they want to see the teams get happy when their names get called in the brackets. That's all they want to see. Just show us that. Don't show us uh, all this other stuff. Don't show me, and I love Charles Barkley. Don't show me Charles Barkley throwing praise on Auburn. Don't show me that. Just show me the brackets. And if you want to do all that stuff, do it later. You can do after you show me the brackets. Right. You can do it in the second hour. If you're going to make a two-hour show out of it, it it smacked of some non-basketball person came in, like a a TV person came in and was like, "We've got this show. Let's let's make it a show. So we'll have an audience and we'll do we'll have people walking around on stage." Well, and if you're going to do a studio audience, can you get more than 50 people there it was so it, it felt like it felt like some washed up country star said hey i'm gonna play <laughs> the biggest arena there is uh, we gotta have the big one and it got to be like 10 percent full and it's like hey probably should have just done the high school gym bro <laughs> well and you're in they're in new york right i assume they were in atlanta okay so we know there's people in atlanta it was bad it really was I, I did not, not that social media is the right way to judge everything. I did not see one positive response to it. Not one. I mean, I, if I would have liked it better if we had 30 minutes of brackets and then 30 minutes of Kenny Smith, Charles, and yeah. Ernie Johnson just talking. Yeah, I love watching the three anything. of them talk, yeah. They could, and they could talk about like how stupid it was that they revealed them in alphabetical order. Whatever. I don't care what they talk about. Talk about anything. I just like hearing them talk. The alphabetical order thing was bad. I, I never heard anyone say why that was a good idea. And they remember they said like a week ahead of time that's how they were going to do it. Yeah. And everybody said, that's dumb. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's good. Why is it good? Tennessee is in the field. They are the second team out of the S. Oh, uh, oh, okay. Uh, Texas is in there as well. Um, uh, I mean, at least match it up. Maybe they'll start doing the college football playoff like that. Like, we've got yeah. Alabama. Yeah. Oh, come on, dude. And then, uh, just all of it wrong. Okay. Okay. Anything else, Adam? Do you have a separate? How can you justify that? I've got a how you can justify that, but you're going to have to use your imagination. Okay. 
My how can you justify that is exactly what everybody thinks it is. It was totally ridiculous. The fact that it's gotten to this point where it's been enabled to that level is exactly why it is what it is. And you can't justify it now because it should have been fixed two years ago. That's all. Ah, Jason Talon's a pretty good five-star prospect. Did you hear that somebody asked a question to Jason Allen? Yeah. Do you think he was thinking of Jason Talon? Yeah, I think so. I think we got in his head. Yep. How can you justify that? Brought to you by our friends at Circle K. Circle K, find great people serving its customers in clean stores, offering all kinds of products. Adam, of course, there was uh, there was some really difficult, somber, emotional news this past week as well with uh, us learning of the passing, everybody learning of the passing of, of longtime voice of the Tar Heels, Woody Durham. And, man, it was just an emotional roller coaster on Wednesday when uh, everybody kind of woke up in varying ways to, to learning the news. And we had known that Woody was, was not doing well health-wise. Uh, and so you kind of you had a little bit of time to kind of mentally prepare yourself, but you're never really ready. Um, and then with Carolina playing that night and Wes, his son being there to call the game, there was just there were just a lot of emotions that that ran through the day. And I think in some ways we were a little more insulated to it than many Carolina fans who didn't realize he wasn't doing well. Mm-hmm. I think it really did come as a shock to 98 percent of the fan base. And I think that's what made it even tougher. And then you add in the fact that it's the ACC tournament and uh, everybody has listened to what he called the ACC tournament for years and years. Um, I, I don't think that I will ever forget. And it had been sort of a weird Wednesday, certainly more so for you than for me. Um, but I don't think I'll ever forget sitting there watching that game that was before the Carolina game and having the headset on and listening to the open and hearing those calls and hearing you and Eric talk about Woody and like that the game was going on and there were 15,000 people in there watching the game and I had no idea what was going on in the game because I was just transported to this place in the headset where Woody was calling these games and y'all were telling your favorite Woody stories and I, I that was one of those I will not forget this moments um so in some ways it was kind of nice to have that but in other ways that was rough. I mean, there there was a commercial break after that, which was a fortuitous break. Yeah, we uh, we did push out. Uh, if you're a Carolina Insider subscriber, you uh, received how we opened our broadcast that night. We pushed that out through through our channel. So uh, I hope you got a chance to listen to that and thought we did a, a good job kind of on short notice doing our best uh, to honor Woody and um, just think about some memories about him and um, you know, we hope to do some some more longer term things in the future um, in honoring Woody. And of course, I believe it's public knowledge. April 8th is going to be um, a, a service for him and Carmichael Auditorium or Arena now, I guess, is the uh, is the plan at this moment. Um, you know, obviously, I had uh, a relationship with Woody on different levels, both professionally and personally. And, you know, professionally, I don't know how much luckier someone could get than I did getting a chance to, to sit next to Woody and to learn from him and to uh, grow as a broadcaster because of him. Because I got a chance not just to ask him questions and get advice, but just to see him in action. And you know, a lot of things that I do, uh, particularly in preparing for games and how I organize my stuff, a lot of that stuff I learned from watching him and, and seeing how he did it. And I don't do it exactly the same way, but, but a lot of it I do. Um, so that was just incredibly valuable for me as a young broadcaster to get a chance to sit next to him and, and to learn from him for as many years as I did. Uh, and, you know, just personally getting to know Woody was, was such an honor for me. Um, I've told the story on here before about, you know, just how starstruck I was when I first met him. And, you know, I think a lot of Carolina fans had that same experience because you spent so many hours with him living these great moments and suffering heartbreak and um, just all these memories that you have that he is a big part of because of he was the soundtrack of it in a time where uh, in a time where it was even more prevalent than it is today. There weren't a million ways to watch the game or to find the game or check the score um, when Woody was calling the games. And so um, I think a lot of people have those relationships with him. And you know, something I said 
I've said this a couple times. I think everybody has their own favorite call. And, you know, I have mine, you have yours. And what they do is they bring up these just fantastic memories of loving Carolina and loving Carolina athletics. And you were there with your friends or your parents or wherever you were. And, and Woody's voice and those calls bring that back to you. And you can probably in your mind right now hear them and it makes you happy because they're terrific moments. So, um, you know, it's obviously been a difficult time for all Tar Heels, difficult time for us who knew Woody a little more closely just because we had a chance to work with him. And, and clearly his wife, Jean, and, and sons, Wes and Taylor, um, and extended family as well. Our thoughts are, are with them first and foremost during this time. And, you know, they've they've handled this in such a first-class way. And, um, yeah, it just uh, – it was tough. It was tough. My parents used to take us to the ACC tournament and to the to the Diet Pepsi Tournament of Champions when it was in Charlotte. And we would try to find out – or really, I would try to find out where the team was staying so I could go try to get some autographs. And I would get Woody Durham just like I would get sure. every other – just like I would get J.R. Reed. Because to me, he was that big, if not bigger, because those guys only had four years, but I had Woody for every year and for football and for basketball. Um, so – I mean, no question when, when I first started doing stuff around the team and I would be sitting at a dinner or something and Woody would be there, I would consciously sit there and go, I am sitting at dinner with the Woody Durham. <laughs> now, he probably doesn't know I'm here, but I know I'm here, and that's all that matters. Um, and so just uh, tough situation. We've mentioned before that the most recent addition – of um born and bred is the go where you go edition and so had a chance to to talk with gene quite a bit uh, and wes also for that issue and um gene helped woody write something for the back page and i mean at that time we had no idea that this that this was going to happen obviously um but i think she knew a little more obviously than than maybe the rest of us did and as we kind of talked about what they wanted to write we had in mind them writing something kind of updating here's what's going on just want to let you know um and she pretty clearly meant it more as a goodbye type of thing and um i just can't imagine all that she's had to do and handle and so glad that taylor and and also wes have been around to help her um, and man, there's a lot of people who love them and care about them. Almost everywhere we went in Brooklyn, there was somebody asking about them. Have you talked yep. to Jean? Uh, how's she doing? How, what can we do for her? And um, even though it's this time of year, I certainly hope people won't stop doing that. Two things, <clears throat> and I'll be one. I want to. So many people were so nice in Brooklyn, and I'm. I mean, just to us from being somebody who represented Carolina and who had worked with Woody. So I'm sure for Wes, it was, as it should have been, a million times more. Um, but I had so many people come up to me and go, gosh, you know, I'm so sorry about this happening. Our condolences. Please extend that to you know, Woody's family. And yeah, I mean, just so many people so genuinely expressed their condolences and their sadness. Um, because, what, I mean, Woody was a Tar Heel. There's no question about that. But his, his influence went past Carolina. It just did. Um, and you said this, I think, on Wednesday night. Something that gets underrated about Woody sometimes is how good he was. He, he, part of why Woody, everyone loved Woody is because he was, he was the Tar Heels to you. But some of it was because he was really good. He's one of the best that's ever done this. And I hope, you, I hope people appreciate that, how good he was. He wasn't just good because he was yours. That was part of it. But he was good because he was good. Um, and so I do hope people enjoyed or have some fond memories about those kind of things as they think back on it. Now, two more things. One of the really, I don't know if comforting part, comforting is the right word or not. Woody will always live on because of the calls, number one. But also, he did something that's really hard to do. And that is, he is now part of the fabric of Carolina and Carolina athletics. Like, go where you go, do what you do. People have asked me why I don't say that. I'm not going to say that. That's that's Woody. But it's part of the fabric of Carolina athletics now. Does that make sense? And so he, he did something incredible in that 
he has left a legacy in so many different ways that, that he's a part of it now, forever, and forever will be. No matter how old you are, there will be something that he did that influences you as a Tar Heel, which I think is incredible. Adam, anything else before we uh, shut it down here? No. Um, don't know if we're going to have a second pod this week. A lot of times this time of year, and by a lot, I mean last year, because it's the only time that we've had this experience. Um, we just are going to have one pod a week. We'll do our best to pod as much as we can um, and to get some guests if we can do it. Uh, but as I hope you understand, this is a challenging time of year for us with the travel and, and the importance of the games that we're doing and, and those kind of things. Um, so we will not be with you as frequently here over the next couple of weeks, but we're going to stay uh, keep with you as uh, as much as we can. Uh, let's have Wes Durham send us out here on the latest edition of the Carolina Insider. See you later, Big Grits. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.